Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we're waiting. Episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, editor in chief over at golfunfiltered.com. You can find me on Twitter at golfunfiltered. You can send me an email, Adam at golfunfiltered.com. We also have a Facebook fan page, Instagram, and a few other fun things that you can find links to on the homepage of our site in the upper right hand corner. So, uh, no guest on this episode of the show today. I still may have a guest later on this week, still trying to work that out. So, you might be uh, inclined to listen to the podcast twice this week, which is awesome. Uh, but today, I wanted to talk about a few things. Um, just to kind of get a few things off my chest in regard to some of the things that have been going on in the world of Tiger Woods over the last week or so. And for those of you who visit the site uh, often, you know what I'm talking about. You've, you've read a couple of the pieces that I've put up there in regard to the rumors of whether or not basically Tiger's dying and on his deathbed. Uh, for, not really, of course, but basically just the health status of Tiger Woods and all of the fallout that has come out since then. Um, before I get into that, though, I wanted to talk a little bit um, over the weekend. A buddy of mine, uh, actually my uh, my roommate from college and, and my best man, uh, went out to the Chicago Golf Show. And I don't know how many of you listeners have gone to a, a uh, Chicago, uh, which is actually not technically in Chicago. It's actually in a city called Rosemont. They've got a great uh, convention center out in that city, and it's it's actually growing quite uh, quite a bit. Located just a little bit east of O'Hare Airport, for those of you who are familiar with the area, um, that golf show is nothing like what you would expect uh, a normal quote unquote golf show to be. Um, at least as far as I can tell, and I've been to quite a few. Um, the one in uh, the the golf show that everyone talks about in the media, the one that you see on Golf Channel, the one that you see people talking about on Twitter is the PGA Merchandise Show, which is in Orlando, Florida every year uh, in January. And that is pretty much the granddaddy golf show. Uh, When I was working with uh, another outlet a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go down to Orlando to cover that that PGA show. And that that was an amazing experience. The Chicago Golf Show is nothing like that. <laughs> uh, the one in Orlando, you actually get the chance to test out all the new equipment. You have people there from all of the major um, original equipment manufacturers or OEMs, and they're there to answer questions, to basically pimp out their new stuff, and to let you try it out. Uh, and it's all it's reserved only for PGA professionals and media types uh, in Orlando. In Chicago completely different. It's open to the general public. It's basically you go in, you buy a ticket. I think uh, for me, it was about 10 bucks. We went on a Sunday. It's $10 a ticket. You walk in and you just, it's essentially a trade show that kind of specializes more in golf travel 
and golf courses as opposed to golf equipment, which is what I meant when I originally said that this golf show is a little different than others that you may have been to. Now, other golf shows typically focus primarily on equipment. Uh, this one in Chicago did not. As I mentioned, it focused more on trying to sell you, uh, you know, go come play at our golf course, which is located in some boo part of Illinois. Uh, to be fair, there were some other golf courses and resorts from around the area, or from around the country, I should say. Uh, one of which being Aaron Hills, which was awesome. The uh, U.S. Open trophy uh, was actually there, and I was able to see Jordan Spieth's uh, name carved into it. Also picked up a scorecard for Aaron Hills just to take a look at. Um, even without being pushed back any further to what it might be pushed back to uh, for the U.S. Open, that thing still measures out at 7,800 yards, 7,800 yards from the tips. So it'll be interested to see how that plays out for the U.S. Open in 2017. Um, but for the most part, it was really just uh, stuff like travel and golf courses. Um, there was a small area that allowed you to try out some of the newer uh, clubs from some of the bigger manufacturers like Callaway, Titleist, Mizuno, you know, those guys. Um, but even then it was, you're hitting indoors, you're hitting up against the net and there's only a handful of clubs available for people to try out. Uh, when we went Sunday morning, there actually weren't that many people in line to go try out some of the new stuff. And so we, uh, we had the opportunity to do a little bit of that, but it just didn't seem uh, as, I don't know the right word to use. It, it, you didn't get a good experience with whatever club you were trying out in this particular circumstance. So, you know, and then, of course, you walk around the this massive convention center uh, in Rosemont, and it seemed like every 20 feet or every couple of booths, there was just another used golf club sale. And it was incredible how many people were in each of these particular booths. And... It's all the same shit. I mean, it's all the same equipment from one to the next, and they were all similarly priced. Uh, there were a few that had some of the newer equipment that you can purchase. Some were more better organized than others. There was also a little apparel here and there. But for the most part, you were dealing with essentially the same merchandise that you could go to at the same prices uh, that you could go into any used sporting goods store probably in your area. So... The reason I bring all this up is if you've never been to a golf show, uh, you're not missing much, I don't think. Uh, I think that'd be fair to say. Um, I was actually surprised that there weren't more uh, training aids uh, or anything, uh, gadgets and gizmos that uh, I did see at the Orlando PGA show back in 2013, but I did not see much of that in the Chicago uh, golf show, which was, was interesting. But at any rate, for those of you who uh, reached out to me on Twitter um, saying, you know, hey, let me know how it was and, you know, let me know if it's something that, you know, our area would benefit from. I think it could. I think you, a golf show, in my opinion, needs to be more than just what I saw in Chicago. You know, it needs to be closer to what the PGA uh, merchandise show is in Orlando so people can be highly interactive and actually get to try out a lot of this stuff. Um, in more places than just one, preferably outdoors, if you're going to hit clubs, you know, and all that. Um, and, and less uh, from what we saw, at least in the, uh, the Chicagoland 
uh, golf show. So uh, overall, it was a pretty decent experience, I would say, to kind of get a feel for, you know, some of the, the courses in the area and whatnot. But other than that, uh, it actually was a 60-degree day in, in uh, the Chicagoland area that Sunday, last Sunday. Uh, we probably should have went golfing instead. So, But anyway, just wanted to kind of bring that up a little bit. And you probably saw some pictures from the Chicago Golf Show uh, on our Instagram page, again, at Golf Unfiltered. Um, or on Twitter. So, um, at any rate, that's enough about that. Um, I did want to talk a little bit, as I said at the beginning of the show, about the things that have been going on in Tiger Woods land as of late. And for those of you who have been on the site, you of course know what I'm referring to. And, and uh, essentially, uh, well, the other day on, on uh, the 25th of, of this of last month, because I'm recording this on March 2nd. Um, on the 25th of February, I went ahead and I published a, a, a piece entitled What You Don't Know About the Tiger Woods Rumor Timeline. And the timeline that I'm referring to, of course, if you haven't heard it by now, and it's all over social media, is Robert Lucetich from Fox Sports and the, the anonymous Twitter user who is a friend of the site, Secret Tour Pro, uh, both reported uh, similar facts, or I, facts is the wrong word to say, of course, but uh, similar items regarding Tiger Woods' health and whether or not he suffered a setback in his rehab, uh, recovering from his second uh, microdiscectomy, which is a very hard word to say, uh, procedure on his lower back. Um, they both basically said um, that he was either, he was laid out, um, he could not sit in a car seat in an upright position because he had too much pain, uh, that he had suffered a setback at some point, and there was a lot of questions on whether or not Tiger was going to actually be able to, to ever golf again, let alone this year. So, you know, that was reported out, and that sent everyone in a tizzy, and people were, you know, reacting the way that you would expect people to react whenever you hear any news about Tiger Woods. And since that time, uh, you know, we saw how the Tiger Woods, as I've coined it a few times on Twitter and on the site, the Tiger Woods PR machine responded to these reports, um, headed by Tiger's agent, Mark Steinberg, um, who is pretty much, as, as is anybody affiliated with Tiger Woods in his circle, for most people, a household name if you're a fan of the guy, of Tiger, that is, so... In other words, you probably have heard the name Mark Steinberg. So anyway, what happens after these reports get out? And as I detail in, the, in, in my piece on, on golfandfilter.com, basically we, we get a denial out of the Tiger Woods camp. Again, a statement from Mark Steinberg saying that the reports were false, that he denied all of them. And in fact, the words that he used were completely false. And then we see everyone else coming out of the woodwork to basically discount what those two reports uh, said. You got Nota Begay going on the Golf Channel saying that, you know, his longtime friend, Tiger Woods, is chipping and putting. A couple days later, we hear about how Tiger is hitting drivers on the driving range. Uh, Tim Rosefort for... Um, uh, the Golf Channel actually goes out and, and reports that, that he heard that that's what Tiger's doing. He's hitting drivers now. And then, of course, everyone saw the 
the video that Tiger posted on social media of him hitting a rather ginger, gingerly struck <laughs> nine iron against what I assume to be his uh, in-home golf simulator. And then why did all of that happen? Well, essentially, oh, I, before I get there, I should also mention that we also saw a picture of Tiger with Tony Finau uh, and, uh, well, apparently Brooks Kepka was also with the group at a dinner. Uh, same picture came out same day as the Tiger Woods 9-iron video. Uh, and the picture depicted Tiger standing up, smiling, looking relatively fit, if not a little thinner than we've normally seen him. All of this, of course, to say that, or to prove, quote-unquote, that Tiger was doing fine, that he had not suffered a setback, that he was quite spry, actually, and going out and and hanging out with his friends, and he can look, he can hit a golf club, or hit a golf ball, swing a golf club, and so on and so forth. So, you know, all of this happens, and as I detail on the piece, the entire time that this is going on, I am talking to a couple individuals, one in particular, that is very close to the situation and has a lot of information regarding what's been going on. And, you know, I know that the name of our site is Golf Unfiltered and the name of this podcast is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. And I know that whenever anybody uses anonymous sources, everyone gets all pissed off about it because, oh, if it was an anonymous source, how can I believe you? Blah, blah, blah. Look, I get it. Believe me. I completely get it. I hate doing it. I hate protecting or, or not disclosing where I'm getting information from uh, to the mainstream. But at the same token, there is a little bit of an ethical dilemma when you have to protect the sources that you you work with. Because really, for a couple of reasons. One, as I just mentioned, it's an ethical thing to do. You don't want to you know, start spreading things around from people that you know, don't necessarily want you to be spreading stuff around. But in the same instance, you don't want to lose a good source. And, you know, I, let's be honest here, folks. I mean, people who consider themselves journalists, uh, such as myself, even though I'm a complete hack compared to some of the others who've been doing this for much longer, but I've been doing this for long enough to know how some of this, is, how some of this works. Uh, people who consider themselves any type of journalist all do the same thing. doesn't mean that we have to like it. I'm a golf fan just as much as you are, listener, and I don't have to like the fact that when I hear, you know, I'll just pick on him a little bit, when I hear, you know, Robert Lucetta saying that he has heard that so-and-so and blah, 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 but he doesn't disclose what happens. I mean, he's, he does the same thing as anyone else does. Hell, I do it. I go on Twitter and I've, and, and in the piece that I'm referring to on Golf and Filtered, and I've said, you know, I have this source that I'm not going to disclose who that is, and I'm not going to say who said what within the electronic correspondence that I reference in the article. Uh, and I, I say all of that. But does that make it any less believable? Does it make it any less true? Does it make the content of what uh, I'm referring to, the correspondence, which I'll get to in a minute, does it make any of that false? Well, I guess that depends on who you believe. I can tell you with all certainty, I've never lied to you, that what I have seen is an electronic correspondence that details, as I uh, reference in the article, or includes, I should say, two individuals, one of whom is 
two degrees of separation from Tiger Woods. Take that however you want. Referencing a conversation that this person had with someone who is one degree of separation away from Tiger Woods. So a very close, someone who's very close to the Tiger Woods circle, if not in, involved in it. And I can tell you that the names that I'm talking about are people you know. They're, 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 they're definitely people that you're aware of. Now, I've seen this correspondence. I, I, there, and so I, I've seen this, and I'm, I'm sitting back, and just to kind of let you know from my perspective, looking at everything unfold over the past week, or two weeks now, I have this information, and it references a few things. One of which being a timeline of events that, again, it's pretty much anecdotal at this point, and it's hearsay to a point, because I didn't speak directly to these individuals who are referencing other people, and so I'm essentially three or four degrees of separation out of this at this point. But all of this stuff is unfolding in Tiger Woods' world, and I have a timeline in front of me that is completely different than what is being reported. Which, what I'm referring to, of course, are the two reports that I mentioned earlier. The Fox Sports report and then the one from the anonymous Twitter user, Secret Tour Pro. The problem with that, and as I detail in the piece again, is how they reported the information. I can tell you that I am pretty certain that those two individuals or the two people who reported what we were talking about, they got their, their stuff from the same source that I was looking at. I'm almost certain of that. So the problem, though, is that they reported the information that's in this correspondence as if it was current, as if it had happened the day prior, for example. And that just simply wasn't the case. The correspondence itself that, I'm, that I am aware of and that I've seen and that I reference in, in the piece on the site suggests that one of the individuals, the individual closest to Tiger, saw Tiger laid out in a car, because he couldn't sit up in a car seat in an upright position, as he was going to, and he had to have somebody drive Tiger to go get Tiger's children from somewhere. I, I don't, it doesn't matter where, whatever. All of that happened around January 11th. And the reason I got that is because the correspondence I saw was dated January 25th. And in that correspondence, the individual closest to Tiger was saying, quote-unquote, two weeks ago from January 18th. So if you're still with me, I've outlined it much more clearly in the piece. And again, the, the piece is what you don't know about the Tiger Woods Rumor timeline. Go out and read it there. But essentially, it all boils down to this. Sometime around the first, second week of January, Tiger was in a bad way. His back was bothering him, according to this very close uh, source that knows Tiger quite well. Two weeks later, this other individual who has spoken with the first individual, the person closest to Tiger, tells my source that all of this goes down. Okay? So, basically, we have, a, we have a timeline of the beginning of January, Tiger's not sitting up, 
may have had a setback. And oh, by the way, in the correspondence, the second individual, the person two degrees of separation away from Tiger, suggests that Tiger's done. He actually says this in the correspondence. He says, he's so bad, Tiger's back is is such in, in such a bad way that he, this individual, who, I don't think I'm giving away too much, would know a lot about Tiger Woods' swing, I'll just say that, suggests that Tiger can't swing a golf club at a pro level and probably won't be able to ever again. He basically says that this purse, that, that Tiger is pretty much done on the PGA Tour. Now, having said all of that, I, I, I know how that sounds. And again, it's really you know easy for me to say all of this without actually sharing anything or anything like that, but I'll just take my word for it if, if you trust me in that regard. The problem, of course, is, as I mentioned earlier, Fox Sports and the anonymous Twitter user went ahead and they reported this as if it was current. They did not suggest any of this timeline. And then we get the response from Tiger's camp. And we see Tiger swinging a golf club. And this is in end of February. So if the timeline is true, and I believe that it is, if the timeline is true, that means that Tiger Woods had a full month and a half to at least get himself to a point where he can swing a golf club in front of a smartphone, I assume, is what was used to take the video, to get this information, to, to, to squash these rumors that he had not, maybe not suffered a setback, but had not been progressing as much as we had all hoped. Okay, so all of that happens. We also see a picture of Tiger at Jack Nicholas's house when they had their little Ryder Cup dinner uh, a couple days later. So all of that happens. Yet, today, kind of everything kind of came to a head for me, you know, and it was just another, more icing on the cake in regard to this whole story. Uh, Tiger Woods is being interviewed, and in, in before the, I, I, you know, honestly, I didn't even see the video when it happened, or the, the, the interview when it happened, but I certainly heard the, the fallout of it, and I saw what was being said on Twitter uh, because you know how these press conferences go these days. You know, they've got a bunch of writers who are listening, and they go ahead and they, they basically quote everything that Tiger's saying on Twitter. So it's pretty easy to follow along, so you don't actually have to watch the interview anymore on television. So, and I'm pulling it up here on, on uh, the good old inter- interwebs here to see if I can get this quote 100% correct, or at least what was shared with me, or shared with everybody. Jesus, Adam, get it together. So, at any rate, Tiger Woods is being interviewed. He's being asked all these questions about his timetable for return, which Tiger says, there is no timetable for return, which again, all right, well, if he was progressing Tiger PR machine, then wouldn't you think we'd have a better understanding of when Tiger would possibly be thinking about returning? Who knows? I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. But at any rate, he continues to go on, and... He even goes to, so far as to say that Jason Day has been reaching out to him for help on his golf game, which prompted me to joke. Jason Day asking Tiger Woods for help on his golf game is like me asking Shakespeare for uh, assistance in writing. So I, I just, uh, that just, I found that 
just interesting at any rate. I digress. Finally, Tiger at some point says, um, let me see if I can find the actual uh, the quote here, but at any rate, nah, it doesn't look like I can find it. Let's see if this is it. I know this is, this is enthralling podcast listening. I, I apologize for that. Uh, but at any rate, I'm trying, as this comes up, oh, okay, so a reporter asks Tiger, basically, you haven't hit drivers or three woods. Again, referencing uh, his progression and, and the things that he's been working on because he's stayed, Tiger has stuck with his story that he's been putting and chipping. And of course, everyone saw that nine iron that he shot a video with. But a reporter asks Tiger, you haven't hit drivers or three woods. He's asking this. And Tiger responds, no, no. So uh, you read that, you hear that. In my case, I read it. But for those of you who read the, the, the transcript or who saw the interview, or the press conference, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, it should be the report that Golf Channel, good old Rosie, was saying not too many, not too many days ago. He reported that he had heard Tiger was hitting drivers at a driving range. Now, Tiger himself has basically said, no, I wasn't hitting drivers. I wasn't even hitting three wood. So, I don't, I mean, you can understand the frustration with all of this, because for one, on one hand, just for the sake of saying it, Tiger Woods doesn't owe us shit. He doesn't owe us any update whatsoever on his health. It's none of our business. It's something personal to him. Yada, yada, yada. I get all of that. The problem, though, is that his camp, again, the Tiger PR machine, has been going out of their way to suggest otherwise, that he is progressing. He is doing much better. He is doing these things with a golf club now. Um... So how does, where does, you know, the Rosefort uh, report come in? Well, a couple things. I was speaking with uh, a friend of mine who's, he's, he's a media member, he's in the business, he gets how all this stuff works, he's been doing it for a long time. I was uh, talking to him on the phone the other day, and I was like, look, you know, what's your take on all this this stuff? You know, we're, we're getting reports that are so starkly different on one hand, we have a respected reporter in Robert Husenich, uh and an anonymous Twitter user, um, reporting that Tiger is can't sit up straight. And then all of a sudden, we've got other reports on the Golf Channel who are saying, oh, it's completely wrong, and we're hearing these things from his, his agent that it's completely wrong. And in fact, he's actually hitting drivers, which, of course, was later uh, you know, debunked, I guess you could say, by Tiger himself, or denied is probably the better word. Why is there such a stark difference? And so this individual, my, this buddy of mine, basically said, go out and ask any traditional golf journalist, someone who's been doing this for a long time, ask them what the Tiger Woods PR machine is like. And they'll tell you that Tiger Woods has complete, and his team has complete control over what is reported about Tiger. Phil Mickelson has the same thing, by the way, which I've come to learn. 
And my my friend was like, just just go out and ask anybody. Go out and reach out to anyone on Twitter, which I've done. I've not heard back from anyone yet. But just ask anyone who may have been outed or taken out of the Tiger Woods trust circle of trust on what it's like to write something negative about, about Mr. Woods. And just hear what they have to say. Well, that got me thinking. You know, I mean, I... I haven't been doing this for too long. I've been writing about professional golf for a little over 10 years, but I've not actually had the opportunity to write about golf the way that I do now, um, nor had I ever worked for an outlet that required me to do more reporting than just simply typing out words based on what I saw on television until, of course, I worked for SB Nation a few years ago and then ultimately the Back Nine Network. Of course, now golf unfiltered. You know, it's it's basically a culmination of my experiences at those uh, places. So I didn't know any of it until I got to that point. And so, in speaking with my friend and in listening to him tell me, you know, that or have me ask that rhetorical question, which hopefully I'll be able to actually ask someone. You know, how much does the Tiger Woods PR machine have control over what we hear and what we see? You know. Well, I didn't have to think back too long because I've experienced it myself. And I can tell you that just the, the, the way that things have unfolded over the last week has made it blatantly obvious to me what's been going on. I, I would not be surprised, and in fact I think this is the case, that you know, Tiger's agents and his PR team, they're, they're controlling everything that's being written about this at this point. That's why you're not seeing a lot of it come out. That's why you see annoying guys like myself, who has a, uh, you know, a small yet loyal <laughs> blog reading or, or podcast listenership. Uh, we're the ones writing about this stuff. Anything else you hear from the Golf Channel or any of that, or anything, you know, any other outlet has taken the, uh, the positive side of all this. And like I said, I've, I've experienced it myself. Quick story for you. When I was at the Back Nine Network, this was, I don't know, two or three years ago now. We were told, we meaning myself and some of the other writers, we were told to not write anything negative about Tiger Woods. We were told that. I won't tell you who told us that. I can tell you that it, that has changed over the years. It's, it's obvious. For those who aren't aware, the Back Nine Network is still in existence. Friend of Golf Unfiltered, Chris Cheney, who has contributed to, the, um, to our site uh, in the past and is always welcome to do so in the future, uh, is doing a great job over there. And it's evident that with leadership change and with a change in direction, obviously some of the other uh, more interesting policies, I'll say, regarding the writers has changed, and that's a good thing. Chris does a great job over there. Go out and check him out. But I can tell you that we were told that when I was there. And at the time, I felt, all right, well, I mean, I have no recourse in this. I was in Chicago. You know, I, I they're based in Hartford, Connecticut. I, I have no one that I can go to, to to state my case and say, well, why are we not 
doing that? If something bad comes out or if something negative comes out about Tiger Woods, aren't we supposed to report the news? We were trying to compete with other websites like, you know, any other website you've ever heard in the golf space. How are we not going to report on things that we see or that we become aware of? Because at this point, you know, we were just a small group of writers, but we were developing our own sources. We were becoming noticed. We were, you know, having the opportunity to actually talk to other people in the know. How are we not supposed to report that? Well, it was easy because we were told not to. And I assume, I have no proof of this, but I assume that Back Nine was told to not report anything negative. For those of you who followed the progression of the Back Nine network back in the day, and I should be transparent here and say that at the time, at, at one point earlier this year, or late last year, we were in an affiliate agreement with the Back Nine network. We're no longer in, the, in an agreement. We've actually broken ties, and it's, it was a very civil breaking. It was certainly nothing behind that at all. They're still friends of Golf and Filtered. I have a lot of respect for the people still over there. But at the time, those of you who followed Back Nine and the progression of all the things that were going on at Back Nine, you probably remember a lot of different hires. One individual who may have been very close to Tiger Woods. And there was also that uh, exhibition match between Rory McIlroy and, and Tiger Woods that was covered by the Back Nine Network, the one in China. I'll give you another quick story. There was, uh, there, everyone's aware, you know, and, and I'm probably speaking a little bit closer to my, uh, my media friends, uh, who are blog, you know, bloggers in the, in the golf space. Everyone's aware that we all kind of borrow from one another. It just happens, you know. Listeners of this show... Uh, heard a conversation I had with Kyle Porter at CBS. You know, we're not always able to go to a press conference, and so we actually have to read the transcripts of a press conference uh, in order to report stuff on our various sites. I do it all the time. Um, not so much now, because as you know, I've, I personally have taken a little bit of a step back from reporting on the, uh, the pro game. Uh, more to come on that here in a minute, a little bit later in the show. Uh, but and I'm losing my train of thought, but at any rate, um, we all kind of borrow from one another. We all kind of report the same things, and we're all, we all have the same sources for the most part. So we all we all borrow the same stuff from individuals, and, and, and it's just kind of a thing that happens. You know, it's, you do it correctly. You cite the sources that you have. You, you you know you don't want to plagiarize or anything of that nature. But it's kind of an understand understood thing that that occurs. So at any rate. At one point, a report comes out, I believe this was 2015, I think. Tiger was in the middle of yet another rehab stint, and there was a report that had come out that he might show up at the U.S. Open, along with Michael Jordan. Um, great, that's newsworthy. You want to write about that, right? So, I decide to write about it. I say, and I write this piece, and I'm sure you can probably still find it on the internet. I forget what it was called, but it was basically, rumor has it that Tiger Woods will be at U.S. Open not to play, but to help drive, I forget what it was. You know, him and Michael Jordan were probably doing something for Nike at the time. Who knows? So I write this up. It couldn't have been more than 400 words. I come to learn shortly thereafter that 
the writing editorial team, who uh, is based in Hartford, basically gets their asses reamed out by a certain uh, person who had just pre- recently been hired. No names here, <laughs> but I'm sure you can probably figure out who I'm talking about. Had basically just gone off and said, how dare you write about this, blah, blah, blah. And the reason that this person found out about it was because Tiger approached this person and said, hey, sounds to me, or, or I hear that I'm going to be at the U.S. Open, according to, to the Back Nine Network. Which, okay, two things, real quick. One, awesome, Tiger read something that I wrote, (laughs) or at least heard about it, which, you know, whatever, great. Uh, And two, apparently we got bad information. Apparently I got bad information and reported it based on other things that I read and other things that I uh, heard from some other reputable sources. I mean, these aren't just little blogs that that I'm uh, using information from. And it was just bad information. And so that's that's the risk that you run, that we run, when we follow this, this method of quote-unquote news reporting. And I know that there are people who I've spoken with on this show, I've interviewed on this show, people who are more traditionalists, who you know do things the hard way, who, who do things they feel the correct way, where you go out on the beat and you get your information there and you know all that stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a journalist in so far as have not gone to journalism school, but I'm aware of how all that stuff works. I've spoken to the people who do it, and for those who do it well, they do it extremely well. And they'll come back and they'll say, hey, this is why bloggers aren't as trustworthy as traditional writers. I get it. It's a good argument, because shit like this can happen. Well, at the same token, it's just another example of how at least in that last example's case, how Tiger Woods himself has the ability to kind of alter the way that things are reported about him. And it just comes with the territory. I'm sure that other athletes, other star athletes in other sports have similar pull. And then I'm sure it's been that way for decades since people started reporting about people uh, in uh, star athletes. I'm sure that's the way it works. But so... Why am I bringing all this up? Well, there's more behind what you see reported, either on television or on social media or on the Internet. What I ask is listeners who, if you listen to this show, I assume that you're an individual who not only loves golf, but also is skeptical on a lot of things who likes to ask questions, who doesn't necessarily always take things for face value. I ask that you continue to do that. And I ask that you continue to spread that skepticism, that constructive skepticism, to the people who you talk with about golf. Don't just accept the first thing that you see on these mainstream medium or media. They, more often than not, I'm telling you this because I've seen it myself, more often than not, if it's about Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, or any of the larger, more popular stars, I'm sure Jordan Spieth to an extent as well, even though he's actually extremely honest and transparent, and that's why everyone loves him, all media members, that is. If you hear news about any of those other big guys, chances are it's been gone, it's gone through multiple filters, It's been diluted to the nth degree, 
and you are getting exactly what that team for that player wants you to hear. I've seen it. I It has become blatantly obvious to me that this is exactly what's happened with the Tiger Woods situation over the last week. And as more and more of this stuff comes out, I just can't help but sit back and laugh because this is exactly the way they want this to play out. They've gone into crisis mode. They've gone into crisis prevention mode, I should say. And they're going to feed you any line that they can to say that their guy is not only progressing, but also probably on track to come back in 2016. I, I guarantee you that's what we're going to hear. So anyway, just wanted to get that off my chest. God, oh, Jesus, we're already at uh, almost the 40-minute mark here. So let's let's do a few Twitter questions here. I want to pull up, uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered. Let me see if I can get this uh, your Twitter machine working. Oh, this thing's kind of freezing on me a little bit. So I'll just go ahead and pull up the Twitters notification. Oh, no, actually, it's working now. All right, fine. So, all right. Let's see what we got here. Any questions? All right, so we got one from uh, at SharkGolf13. Are amateurs bogging themselves down with info and thoughts when in reality they should be going out and having fun at golf? Sir, the answer is yes, and I am not a PGA professional. I am not a teaching pro. I know a fair amount about the golf swing, but I don't think I need to be credentialed in any way to tell you that, yeah, absolutely. That's I do it. I'm sure you do it. If you're an amateur player, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that you're an amateur player, uh, but any any golfer does it, and you know there's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm sure that we could spend an entire podcast episode talking about that as well. We've had um, uh, we had quite a few people on the show already uh, last week. We had um, Practical Golf. Uh, go ahead and, and listen to that one uh, to to hear a little bit more about some of the 101 mistakes that golfers make and how to prevent them by John Sherman. He's the, the owner over there at uh, Practical Golf. I mean, people think too much when they're on the course. You're supposed to go out and everyone says that it's a game and everyone says that you're supposed to enjoy it and have fun. And I know that it's difficult. I overanalyze everything. Um, and, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, people can paralyze themselves. There's an old saying. I mean, paralysis by analysis. It's something that we talk a lot about in the stuff that I do during the day. For those who don't know, I'm, I'm a kind of a statistical guy uh, for my day job. And, and we see that stuff all the time. It's it's uh, overthinking is the worst thing that you can do. Anyone who's ever written a book on, on golf, on the golf swing, what have you, all the greats out there, just name one, they'll all t- tell you the same thing. You can't go up there and, and, and think too much. And for the love of God, you can't go out and try to mimic a swing that you see on television. Those guys are extremely flexible. They practice every day. And they found a swing that works for them under the tutelage of a swing coach that's been doing it for 20, 30 years. So, you know, just go out, find something that works for you. Go take a couple lessons. Don't get all wrapped up in, you know, too much of the data analytics, especially if you're a guy that only gets to play golf a couple times a year. And find something that works for you. Who gives a shit what your swing looks like? If you can get the ball from point A to point B in as few strokes as possible, then fine. You're not going to win any style points or anything like that if your swing looks like Adam Scott's or if it looks like Jim Furyk's. Who cares? So, at any rate, thank you, sir, for the question. 
I appreciate it. Let's see if we got anything else here real quick. Oh, my buddy uh, at 3 Jack Almanac, another great uh, golf blog. Go out and visit that. Uh, he asks, who do you think is number one in the world after the PGA Championship? Uh, you know, I got to go with Rory, to be honest with you. I'm looking at the um, official uh, world golf rankings right now, and Jordan has got about a two-point lead. He's at 11.4 or, or something like that uh, over Jason Day and Rory McIlroy, who are pretty much neck and neck at this point for two and three. Jason Day is going to fall off. I've been saying this for the last since the beginning of the year. I I just don't see him maintaining any type of momentum that he had towards the middle and end of, of 2015. I think that was sadly probably a peak for him. Uh, he's got a lot of health issues for some reason. You know, aside from the vertigo, uh, he's got other things going on. He always seems to be uh, sickly in some way. Um, and he kind of, I don't know, he, he kind of seems like chock full of excuses a lot of times, too. And granted, I don't want to get on a guy for not feeling well. I don't want to get on a guy for being injured. But it just seems to be more uh, health issues for him than the other two guys in the conversation. You know, that being said, to be fair, you know, Rory McIlroy, you know, has had his fair share of injuries as well. And he's also the guy that pulled out of the Honda Classic a couple years back with a toothache. So, I mean take that for what it's worth but you know I, Jordan you know he's got a win this year already it was a pretty uh, uh it was a great win it was a pretty convincing win over at Kapalua uh but he's he struggled you know and that's gonna come with the fame and being the number one player in the world he's gonna play a lot more he's gonna be asked to go to Singapore and other places and it just kind of comes with the territory and so yeah he's gonna get tired and I think that's gonna impact the way that he ends up finishing the year unless he catches lightning in a bottle this year and ends up winning another major. And I say catching lightning in a bottle because of all the other things that, and all the, all the other time constraints and requirements that he's being asked to uphold. You know, it's going to be a very busy year for him. So with Jason Day's health problems and with uh, Jordan's schedule and all the stuff that goes along with being number one, I think that kind of opens the door for a guy that's been number one at one point for 95 weeks. Rory. He knows how to do it. He's obviously determined to prove a lot of people wrong. He's got a chip on his shoulder now. We can all thank Brandel Chambly for that with his remarks about Tiger's fitness regimen. And, you know, he's not playing awful golf. He's had a couple bad rounds here and there. It's always been his M.O., hasn't it? I mean... Rory can put three out of four good rounds together and just hope that that fourth round isn't awful, and he'll he'll win a tournament. But he also has the opportunity, and he's shown time again, time and again, that he can just blow away a field, unlike many others, even Jordan and Jason. So, you know, I think that the time is right for for Rory to to reclaim his crown. I think he's going to at some point in the, in this year. Uh, whether or not that's after the PGA Championship remains to be seen, but I think it will be. I think that's what we're going to see towards that time. So, at any rate, I think I'm going to cut it short there, guys. Thanks for the uh, Twitter questions. I appreciate you sending those in. Follow me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered. You can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Um, 
new to the site, before I forget, we have a new writer. Uh, his name is Cody Thrasher, which is probably one of the coolest fucking names I've ever heard for a golf writer. Uh, and you can follow him at CThrash13. Um, he's written a few things. He's actually going to focus a little bit more on the pro side of the game. Um, I realize that it's, it's, I'll just be honest with you guys. It's hard for me to kind of cover a lot of different things uh, on the site. And it's hard to focus on one path or the other. So he does a good job. He's got a great Ryder Cup piece up there now uh, for the United States team, how that's kind of shaping up. He's going to have another one up about the European team, uh, similar uh, similar focus. And so be sure to check him out and give him a follow on Twitter. Looking forward to a lot of good things from him. So uh, that being said, uh, we may have another podcast this week with a guest. Um, but until then, this is your buddy Adam signing off.